Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Ariel. Hi, I'm Ariel, compulsive overeater, bulimic restrictor. Hi. Um, I just have to say it is an honor to be asked to speak at this meeting. This meeting, the podcasts have helped me so much in my recovery. It's not even funny. Um, on the on the way to work. When I'm traveling, um, it's really invaluable that we have this. So, um, such an honor to be asked. And um, congrats to the chip taker and happy birthday. 33 years is amazing. Um, I uh, just need to calm my nerves because this is, you know, my ego is saying I got to say something super profound. Um, it's funny because when I first came into these rooms, I came in and I thought everyone speaking here was like a guru and had their life all together and like you know just I looked at I definitely looked at like people as you know on this high tier and you know having now having the opportunity to speak here I'm just another bozo on the bus I'm by no means a guru I don't have everything figured out I'm just you know trying to practice this program to the best of my ability and to stay abstinent um so my just to get the facts out of the way. Um, I'm a year and almost two months abstinent. Um, thank you. Um, my abstinence bottom line is no purging. Um, I've had multiple abstinences um, over the years of being in program, and this is just what works for me. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just what works for me. I do have a food plan um, that includes, you know, no sugar, no flour, but um, it is not my end-all, be-all. And the few times that I've strayed, the recovery for me is that I don't go out and buy all my binge foods and hide out in my room and then, you know, go into damage mode control and do everything in my power to get the food out of me, you know, whether it be throwing up laxatives, Adderall, what have you. So, um, you know, just, just for instance, this week I had, you know, a cup of cereal, which is not in my food plan. And I'm like, who, you know, this program's about honesty and humility. Who do I call who I definitely do not want to share this with? And I picked up the phone and called a fellow. Um, and I was just like completely honest and, you know, just like, okay, moving on, you know, like good deal. You had a cup of cereal moving on. Anyways. So, um, I'm grateful for that recovery, um, that that is my life now. Um, so I will follow the format of what happened, um, or what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I have a lot of what it was like, so I will try not to um, stay there for the whole time. But um, uh, I definitely uh, grew up in a house with a lineage of compulsive overeaters. My mom, my grandmother, um, other many other people in my family have this disease. I don't remember a time when food wasn't a thing. Um, I grew up in a very chaotic household, um, just not feeling safe, not feeling taken care of, um, and, uh, you know, I grew up with a lot. I, 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 a lot of people talk about, you know, 
upward mobility. I had, you know, downward mobility, which is not to say, like, poor rich girl, you lost, you know, your private school and your horse and this and that. It's just to say that, like, things were taken away from me and things did not feel stable. Like, things... I didn't trust that things were going to be okay. I just I just saw things given to me and things taken away from me. Um, and so I was in this chaotic household with um, a father who could not provide for me um, financially and a mother who is a total workaholic and also um, had a lot of rules about food and health food. And she was on the, like, soy food, you know, soy foods train way before it became a thing. And um, from a young age, I was taught that there were good foods and there were bad foods. And um, I was also, I was also taught that, you know, when I engaged in eating those bad foods, that I would be shamed. Um, Whether it be by, you know, a parent, by my mom or by my grandmother, um, you know, I was just taught that, like, looks were really important. And, um, and, and there were certain foods that were off limits. So that really, really played heavily into my identity. Um, I just always had a sense of feeling, feeling embarrassed, um, feeling like unworthy, because um, I was growing up in this very affluent environment, but, you know, I knew deep down we didn't have the money, and, you know, a lot of things just weren't as they seemed, um, and I just had very eccentric personalities in my family, so I, as, you know, they were so outwardly um, loud, and on as a result of that, I went inward, and I became very quiet, and I became... Um, a yes person, and I became someone who didn't have a voice and someone who didn't feel like it was okay to be mean, be vulnerable. So um, all this to say as it plays into the food was that um, food was my escape, and um, food was my was my fantasy world. It, you know, when I ate food, it took me out of the reality of life, feeling, you know, very insecure, feeling not enough, feeling like I didn't completely fit in, um, in my environment. Um, and, um, and even though I would partake in, you know, eating the food, I like knew one day the food wouldn't be an issue. And, um, one day I'd have life all together. So that was like another, another fantasy that always played in my life, that it wasn't today that I was going to have my shit together, but one day I would. So anyways, I, I grew up chubby, very chubby, um, was always super aware of my body, um, and, you know, was, you know, in all the dance classes, the ballet classes, everything, and feeling, you know, like I was not like all the other, you know, skinny, pretty, delicate girls. Um, and in junior high, I met um, my one of my best friends who became my binge buddy, and um introduced me to all these foods that I was never able to really have growing up. And, um, you know, that's when I really, really started started going for it. And I would also steal money from my parents um, to be able to go to the store after school and buy, you know, all the candy and the chips that I wanted. And, um, and I really, really was in the food, hardcore. Um, and I thought it was okay because I had an accomplice with me doing it, um, even though she didn't gain the weight and I did. Um, I went on my first diet sometime in junior high. I remember putting in a certain exercise tape and then, you know, restricting in a certain way. And then all of a sudden, you know, weight, 
you know, weight was coming off of me, and um, and I loved it. I loved the feeling. I, I loved it more than anything. I loved the attention I was getting. Um, but it was very, very short-lived, very short-lived. Um, I also want to just quickly say food was also a replacement for family, um, just going back a little bit. Um, as a latchkey kid, I was watching over my sister a lot, and we would just be numbing out in front of the TV, you know, eating, you know, all the food that we could get our hands on. So um, it was also a replacement for um, for love as well. Um, so anyways, back to, back to junior high. So um, I had my experience with weight loss. It felt great. And then I felt like once I had that little taste um, I was chasing that the rest of my life. Once I had that little taste of what it felt like to be skinny and what it felt like to be noticed in a positive way for my looks, I was chasing that the rest of my life. Um, but it didn't last, and, you know, I, I gained the weight. And, and after you lose it and then you gain it back, I, I think, for me, it was worse than before I had lost it um, because I just felt like such a failure. And, you know, I, I had, you know, the dressing room moment that a lot of people talk about with my mom where she just said, you know, if you just lost the weight, you'd be such a knockout. You know, like, you have such a pretty face. So, like, that was just always in my psyche. Um, in high school, I decided to go to weight loss camp. And um, it was on my own um, militia. I decided to do it for myself. And when I went there, I took it to the next level. I signed up for all the hard exercise classes. I did doubles. I restricted the food that they were already, you know, restricting me with. Um, and I lost the weight again. And, um, and I came back and, you know, I joined cheerleading and I, you know, was trying and I, I suddenly like started feeling more a part of, um, social experience in school, which I hadn't felt before because I was just, you know, such a loner. Um, and it felt great, but again, I didn't have a program, and I just remember at the end of the year, my cheerleading skirt getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, and um, the weight just, you know, pouring back on. Um, and then before I went to college, I, I was going to go somewhere close to home, but I decided that I was going to have a completely different life, a completely different life than the one that I had had, than the one that I was so ashamed of, and the one where I didn't have a voice, and the one where people knew me as a chubby girl. Um, so I went to weight loss camp again right before leaving for college, and again, took it to the next level, and um, I went to college away from home, and... Um, and then I and then I took on um, you know the other end of the disease with restricting. Um, I got to a severely low weight. Um, somehow with my metabolism, I subsisted on candy and diet Red Bull, and I you know was very skinny. Um, and candy became like my crutch and the love of my life, which I'm saying because it was it took forever in this program to relinquish candy from my food plan. Um, but yeah, so my diet was candy and red and diet Red Bull. And, um, and I kind of became this other person. I, I put on this, um, exterior that was not authentic to who I was. And, um, I became bitchy. I joined a sorority. I was gossipy. I was judgmental. Um, I was outspoken. You know, I was, um, I was I was playing a persona. It was it was not authentic to who I was, and um, even though I lavished in the attention, male attention, female attention, 
I was still miserable. I was still dealing with all the insecurities and um, the not enough and, you know, comparing myself, you know, she has a better outfit or a better bag and, you know, this guy, you know, she, this guy is giving her all the attention. You know, that was the story of my life. Um, it was never just peaceful contentment with who I was. Um, and so I was, I was in restricting mode. People made comments, but I didn't care. Um, I was in my disease, um, and um, I also started laxatives um, and also taking Adderall during this time to help curb my appetite. Um, and, you know, it was just gross. I, I didn't respect my body. I would be, you know, my dinner would be a bag of sugar-free red vines, and then I'd, you know, take a bunch of laxatives, and it's just... It was, it was horrible, the things that I would do to my body, but it was all in the name of being skinny, which was, you know, the most important thing to me. And here I was, this new person, um, not going to let that other girl come through again. Um, so that lasted most of college. And then towards the end, I got a boyfriend, and I wanted to, again, because I was always, like, putting on a show, I wanted to pretend I was, like, a normal eater. Um, so I started eating real food again. And um, surprise, surprise, the weight came on. And um, this was, like, the end of junior, senior year. And um, that's when bulimia entered my life um, and, you know, went into damage control mode um, because I was scared of, of what I was eating. And because I hadn't eaten real food in so long, you know, I was just ravenous. Um, so, you know, that stayed with me. And, and I, I graduated college. Surprisingly, I still... I have to say, despite the fact that I had this um, this eating disorder my whole life, I was still very functional. I was still able to put on a good show. Um, I was still able to, you know, have friends. I was still able to graduate with good grades. Um, and I was still able to move out to L.A. without knowing anyone and get a job at one of the most um, prestigious uh, companies in, in a certain business that I'm in. Um, don't know how, but I, I did it, and um, I came out here, and um, I rose the ranks um, in this company, and um, and uh, I worked for the CEO, and I was on the path to promotion, and my eating disorder just became completely unmanageable, completely unmanageable. It was like every single facet of this disease was combined into one period of my life, you know, with the binging, purging, laxatives, um, Adderall, uh, juice fasts, double, triple exercises, like, I mean, you name it, I was doing it. I was just holding on for dear life, and um, I was told I wasn't getting promoted, and it's, you know, at the time, I couldn't see why, but it's, like, pretty obvious. I was so checked out, um, and I thought my world collapsed, and, um, I broke up with my then-boyfriend, my now-husband, and um, I went and worked at a less prestigious, in my mind, less prestigious, smaller company with my tail between my legs. And, um, and you know, I feel like I, I started, I think, the, I think the fact that I was humbled, you know, started the desire to change for the better a little. Um, and a few... I want to say, like, a year into this new job, I have to say my sister actually um, forced me to come to a meeting. And um, I walked in here, and it was a lot of people share it. Like, I just had this visceral reaction, like, I was in this place 
with people who were, you know, very sick. And I was, you know, I was the normal one. And I, my skin was crawling the first time I came to a meeting. But something stuck. Something stuck. And I remember, like, waking up. I think it was, like, my 20th birthday. I remember waking up um, after being all night with my friends. And they all left me. And I was, you know, still broken up with my boy, with my husband now. Um, and feeling so alone and just so powerless, and um, I was like, I need to do something. I need to do something. I don't like the person I am. This isn't fun. Um, and I came back to a meeting, and I remember I came back to Serenity Sunday um, and saw amazing recovery there. Um, my, uh, even though I, I want to say, I, I can't remember exactly the date I came in, but I've been in I've been in OA for around I'd say six years, and you know coming in, um, or now looking back on when I came in, um, I realized that recovery for me has definitely not been linear whatsoever. Um, but there's oh it's it's been there since the moment I walked into these rooms. Um, it's just taken a while, you know. Like at first, it was like the laxatives and the Adderall that had to be uh, that that went away. Um, immediately, but I was still on and off binging and purging um, and restricting and dieting. Um, and I admittedly, when I first came in, um, it was still, I would say it was, it was partially for the sanity, but it was definitely more for the vanity. And um, it was about weight loss, and I really did care more about the food plan of it all. And when people shared about their food plans, my ears would perk up just the same way that like when a friend was like, I'm on a new diet. And I'd love it when people, you know, in the question and answer part would ask about food plans and what are you doing? And I changed my abstinence like I changed diets. And I looked for sponsors like I looked for a new diet. I'm like, okay, now this person, it's going to be completely different. I'm going to, you know, it's a fresh start. I'm going to want to impress this person. I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to want to go off the rails. Um, so I, it definitely took me a while to surrender even while in program. Um, but, you know, it took what it, it took. What it took. So, um, so, yeah, I'd say with, I can't even remember what number sponsor it was. But um, with this particular sponsor, I got pretty far in the steps, and I felt like I was finally surrendering um and I was finally understanding what this problem what this program was about it was about God it was about um spiritual fulfillment for me it was about um looking outside of myself and I finally got it at the time um that's not to say I didn't relapse again after that but I felt like the message was sinking in and I was coming to all these meetings and I was hearing the podcasts and um after that sponsor, I, I still, you know, my will would come back, unfortunately. I have a very strong will, and I have a very strong desire to control my food. And um, it did come back, but, like, I felt like the message was sinking in much more. And um, I did, so as I was going through this program, you know, the purging definitely lessened a lot more. The food always still became a problem because I was still controlling Um and then I, uh, I, I got pregnant in this program. And I have to say, up until then, for a while, my food and my recovery was a lot better. But when I got pregnant, um, it screwed. My hormones were 
crazy. I, I screwed with my head. Um, and I felt literally nauseous about eating any healthy food. All I wanted were, you know, carbs and and sugar. And um, I went for it. And every day was like my last supper. Like I went for the food. And I was working with this particular sponsor. And I was just in a horrible, horrible dark place again. And then the purging started coming back and like, like this isn't good. I'm pregnant. And the sponsor told me, I was nosediving, and I need to get myself into treatment. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I've been in program for however five-plus years now. Um, I'm pregnant. You want me to go to treatment? And um, and uh, I was just enraged, enraged. And I, and I broke it off with this sponsor. But, um, again, this program, um, the seed was planted that I just need to surrender. And my way is not the best way. Because um, my way has done nothing for me, but um, wreaked havoc on my life. Um, and um, by the way, I just want to quickly add that through this program, um, the person who I broke up with twice in my disease is now my husband, and he was one who I'm ha- having my baby with. Um, so that is another huge, huge um gratitude with regards to this program. But um, so I, I decided to go to treatment. Something something sunk in. And I was like, you know what? I just need to listen to someone who knows, who maybe knows better than me. And I went to treatment, and it was the best decision I could have made ever. Like, I mean, I, I got to be away for 30 days outside of work and stress and just uh, work on myself. And it was the best decision I could have ever made for me and for my baby. And... Um, And uh, I, again, you know, I talk about humiliation. I'm always humiliated. I'm always embarrassed. I hate public speaking. And um, the thought that, like, I'm working – oh, and I did also go back to the original company that did not promote me. They they recruited me back in recovery as well, which, whether that's a good decision or not, that remains to be seen. But but I was – so embarrassed, again, because I have to look a certain way in front of people about having to tell people that I was going for 30 days. And um, the fact that I was able to do that is pretty damn surprising because I, uh, because there's no way that I want anyone to think that there's any problems with me. Um, so anyways, it was all fine. I came back. People can think what they want to think. It's none of my business. I came back and... Um, had my baby. I was still in the food, but I wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't binging like before. I wasn't purging. Slowly getting better again. And then I found um, my most recent sponsor, who forced me um, against my will, because of course I wanted to have this very clear cut, clean food only, you know, food program with like a whole list of things that I'm not able to eat. And um, it was just, let's keep it simple, no purging whatsoever. And I have to say, this is the longest I've been with my food pretty clean um, with this abstinence. And, um, again, that just goes to say, I don't know what's best for me. Um, because my restrictive brain goes, oh, you know, it's a diet now. That's forbidden. You know, go back to my childhood. Can't have that. So now I'm going to want to rebel. I'm going to want to go for it. So for me, um that is just what worked for me. Um, I so yes. So cut to today. I um, I am very grateful for my abstinence. It is the most important thing in my life. I am able to show up and be present for um, 
my son. And as, you know, someone who's had a mother who is still, unfortunately, battling with this disease, the last thing I wanted was, you know, to be in my disease, you know, and be completely self-absorbed with food um, in the midst of raising my son. Um, He is the most important thing in my life. So um, I admit it's been really hard um, being super diligent in this program, being a new mom. Um, I, uh, you know, I definitely work it imperfectly. I go to as many meetings as possible. Um, These meetings save my life. And um, I make outreach calls. Um, and I listen to the podcast. I listen to I listen to this podcast, and lately I've been listening to A Vision for You as well, which has been incredible. Um, and I definitely meditate and pray imperfectly. Right now, I'm dealing with a lot of lack of sleep, um, so I want to sleep as much as po- humanly possible in the morning. And um, you know, then it's like straight to my kid. But um, if I have time during the day in my office, I will. I will get on my hands and knees. I will take a break. I will put on my, you know, my headphones, and I will, uh, I will try to meditate for a few minutes. Um, I have to say, the outreach is probably the thing that's really, really been saving my life. I said, like again, this week, it's, I, you know, went off my food plan one day, and um, I've been dealing a lot with uh, a family member who's in dire straits, and it's been weighing heavily on me lately. And um, it's definitely been messing with my cravings and my desire to eat. And I have, my skin has been on fire this week wanting to eat so badly and um, just wanting to, just wanting to say F it all, go for the food. And I have been picking up the phone like my hair is on fire, calling people, texting people, um, taking walks, leaving work early if I need to. Um, Making sure that I have my foods that feel safe because I follow like a food plan that's pretty much the same every day. And if I don't have my certain snacks, um, I will go to the store and be late to work and get them because I'm at the I'm at, like currently in a place where it is so important that my needs are taken care of. Um, I just can't afford anything else. Um, so this week I have been, even though I haven't been able to get to a lot of meetings, I have been. Um, I've been really, really working this program um, to the best of my ability. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else um, that I can share. I feel like coming into today, I felt like I had so much I wanted to share. Um, the other thing that I have been working on is I said that like I had a lot of fear of being myself and being vulnerable. And... Um, I've really been challenging myself. I'm in a profession where um, you are applauded for how aggressive you are. You're applauded for speaking over someone else. You're applauded for saying something, even if it's nonsensical, rather than sitting there and saying nothing at all. Um, And for someone like me who's constantly worried about judgment and people... um, and people um, criticizing me or stepping out of line or saying the wrong thing, it's, it's a, a daily challenge. Um, so I have to say that, like, I lately, and also having a, you know, kids definitely help with this, but lately I've been, um, I've been willing to be um, 
a lot more honest and vulnerable and um, challenging myself to speak out, speak up and have a voice. Um, thank you. Uh, because um, that, that um, not uniform, but whatever that, that safety net that I had as a kid that like told me not to say anything because it was for my own protection for whatever reason, that doesn't work for me. And when I sit in the corner and I don't say anything and I don't have a voice, um, that doesn't keep me safe. That keeps me actually in danger of my disease. Um, and that keeps me in danger of isolation. And what actually keeps me safe is when I do speak up and when I do um, participate and when I'm a part of, because that keeps me in the center of the herd, whether it's in program or it's, you know, at work or it's with friends. Um, so those, those coping mechanisms, those, those tools that I used to use just don't work anymore. So um, I, have been, I have been allowing myself to, you know, to go, against, to go outside my comfort zone and to speak up. And um, even though it's scary at first, I, I always find it to be really, really rewarding afterwards. So that is that is one character defect that, um, in particular, has been coming up a lot for me lately. Um, and the other thing I just want to touch on is, um, for anyone dealing with body obsession, I'm a complete body obsessor, um, obsessed with the outside appearance, as I said. And um, I had to learn to just be patient and loving with myself, especially like with regards to losing weight after pregnancy. Um, I, you know, was an avid exerciser, and now I probably get to work out max twice a week, maybe once twice a week. Um, I and I'm pretty sedentary a lot, especially at work. Um, and I just had to be okay with that. And the voices of "you aren't doing enough," um, I have to say, have really, really subsided, which I'm beyond grateful for. And um, the checking in the mirror is something that I still struggle with, but um, I catch myself when I do it. And I say, okay, like, you're doing this right now. It's okay. Like, you know, why don't we go, you know, do something that's going to give you more fulfillment, you know, than looking at yourself in the mirror um, and checking whether you're down, you're down weight or your body looks a certain way. So, um for anyone struggling with that, that has been something that I've also um, been working on and um, really trying to uh, let go of um, because it just doesn't serve me. And um, and it's so funny because, you know, when I see people who behave in the way that I used to behave, trying to put on this false exterior, trying to act like they have it all together and, you know, really, like, it is so unattractive to me. It is so unattractive to me. And in my entire life, that is like the person that, you know, I, I was and trying to be. And um, I purposely try to stay away from people like that now because I just, um, I just find it, you know, very unappealing to be around. So um, this program gives, gave me depth. It gave me, it didn't give me depth. It, it unleashed unleashed, you know, within me the deeper um, feelings, the deeper person that I've always been, um, that I've been suppressed so much with the food. Um, and, um, and I think that that is probably, like, the biggest takeaway, that it is allowing me to be my authentic self. So...
I have five more minutes left. I think I'm going to open it up for questions. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Uh, um, yes. What's my favorite step and why? Um, I mean, I think third step, because that has been the most difficult for me to trust that a higher power is taking care of me and to just give my life over as like someone who wants to be in total control. And I say the third step prayer every day, whether I'm on my hands and knees or not, even if it's like in the shower, if it's in the car on the way to work, I'm saying that third step prayer. Um, and it's so magical when I do actually think that like God is looking out for me and I don't have to figure it out the sense of calm and ease just washes over me. It's, it's amazing knowing that I'm not doing this alone and that um, I'm not in control is actually such a gift. Um, I very quickly forget that. After this meeting, I will probably forget it, and then I will have to be reminded again. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I'd say third step prayer, knowing that I can hand my life over to God and that I will be taken care of. Thank you. Yes, can I talk about my relationship to my higher power? Um, so kind of off of that question, um, so I feel most close to my higher power when I'm in nature, when I'm at the beach, um, when I'm in my backyard, when I hear the birds, when I feel the breeze, um, when I listen to you know nature sounds. Um, so I feel like I have a very deep connection with you know my higher power through nature. Um, and listen, it's a definitely an imperfect one. Like I said, like I don't unfortunately go through life thinking all the, you know, thinking without a doubt at all times that God has me and that I'm connected to God. I need to be reminded of that. Um, but I do believe very strongly that there is a God. And, and lately, like you know, I've been saying because I've been having you know issues that like you know it work with it's with regards to me thinking that I need a different profession because this is just not. Um, the right profession for my recovery and lately I've been saying God is my employer and I truly I truly believe that it's like you know if I show up and I'm of service to my colleagues and I'm of service to my clients um, in the best way I possibly can be and I just do the best I can that is me being connected to God and that is that is me being of service so that is, that's all I can do so that has been my mantra lately and um, I've really been trying to internalize that so so to sum up, it's imperfect, but I've been, I feel like God is, my relationship with God is being strengthened now, you know, through my various areas of life. So, yeah. Yeah, finding my voice means, um, I, I naturally edit myself, uh, what, can I say more what finding my voice looks like? I naturally edit everything I say um, in my head. Um, is it going to come out a certain way? whether it be emailing at work, whether it be speaking up in a staff meeting, um, I'm constantly, so it means just letting go of that, taking a deep breath, and um, even actually like today, like, you know, I, I wanted to have it all planned out because I don't like public speaking. I wanted to have an outline of what I was going to say. And it's just like, you know what, let God speak through me. And I do say that every morning. I say, God, please speak through me, please act through me. Um, so it's just... Um, it's not covering up and saying like saying the opposite of you're not you're not afraid you're not this because that to me is like covering up the fear by like you know sugarcoating it. It's just me saying like let me just be my authentic self. Let me take the armor off. 
let me just, you know, say what like pops, you know, pops into my head and I, I have this gut feeling to say because a lot of the times, like if I don't say it in like a, in a work situation, I don't say it and someone else will say it. And I'm like, you know what, I should have just said it. So, um, so finding my voice is just speaking up for myself, being honest, placing boundaries on people, uh, on things, um, placing boundaries in general, and, um, you know, putting self-care first, too. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, did program help me um, in reuniting with my now husband? Um, yes, it did. I wouldn't have, we wouldn't be married and have a, a baby if it weren't for program. I had to get on my hands and knees and be honest. I didn't tell him about, he, he knew something was up. I didn't tell him I had an eating disorder. I had to be incredibly humble. I had to be incredibly honest. I had to show him all my cards. I had to say, this is me. I had to tell him that I was getting help. I had to tell him that I was in program. I took him to a meeting. Um, and I had to, I literally had to put it all out there and say, like, this is what I've been dealing with. I'm so imperfect. I'm not the person that, you know, that I always lead on to be. And, um, and if it weren't for that honesty and that admission of, of my flaws and that um, willingness to, uh, to stay in recovery and to work a program um, alongside with outside help, it, yeah, it wouldn't have happened. So this program I owe everything to. So thank you. Yeah.